0: Well, howdy, and welcome back to the Resilience in Stem podcast. I hope you guys have been having a really good summer to start. Mine has been really nice. I've been exploring San Francisco, and I haven't even touched the tip of the iceberg, On honestly. Um, there's so many things to do here in San Francisco, and so many things to do in Berkeley as is, and I haven't even started most of it um lab work has been really good uh, my mentors in lab have been really supportive of what I'm doing and since I'm applying to graduate school this cycle um they've been really supportive on trying to help me and trying to like, guide me on like what programs I should apply to and start even like writing my essay so that's been a really good thing to start um the thing is yeah I think that should be it on all of it one thing I wanted to um revisit from our lab episode that talked about the research experiences for undergrads and how to apply for those I realized after I published the episode that I didn't cover everything like all the benefits from attending these programs so while yes you get attended you get accepted to these programs you get to do research at these people with these um universities and these specific labs and it's a great opportunity to learn new techniques and visit from people from different from all around the world and learn about new perspectives in science. One extra thing that you get in a bonus is you get a stipend. So sometimes that stipend will be like a, a couple thousand dollars, or it ranges from twenty five hundred dollars to up to seven thousand dollars. It depends on in the institution, but it basically like covers for the time that you're working there for the ten month for the ten weeks. And there's also covered housing. So. Sometimes um, these internships, they will offer you housing on campus or at an apartment complex nearby just so you have a place to live and you're kind of getting a good experience at the university so you're not trying to fight for an apartment or you're trying to pay extra on rent because definitely those summer months um, for rents tend to be a little more expensive than your usual contracts so they cover that housing for you so not only will you get money and you have the research experience and housing you get a stipend on top of that and even some universities they will pay for you to pay for your flight to go there so I think those are some great advantages well in addition to doing research and going out and exploring new places this is a really good plus for applying to research opportunity programs so yeah that's one thing I wanted to to um, mentioned since I definitely forgot to say that in the last episode. But I definitely wanted to kick it off for this episode and kind of start about graduate school. Um, and I wanted to mainly focus on how to begin the application process. And as I go along, this is even going to be helpful for me. So that way I kind of know where I began and what I've done since then. So this is kind of going to be a recap of the past few episodes because I know in the past few episodes I've had a little in like the intro where I kind of talk about my little updates and what I look for and what I'm doing currently in the terms of the application process. Um, But honestly, the summer is a great time to start your graduate school application because you're either at an internship or you're relaxing in summer or you're taking summer classes. Either way, you have less stresses than you do during the normal academic year. So it's a great time to like get a little bit head start and like really make sure you're planning out your steps during the fall semester because um, definitely if you start during the fall semester and you keep going with that, I mean, yes, you would have probably a good application, but sometimes things might get lost along the way. So it's really good to start planning from in advance. So it leads to the big question of, how do I start on graduate school applications? So I'm basically gonna go through a list of four little things and four important things that I would look for and I would kind of look out for and see if maybe there's something you guys can think of as well. So the first one is definitely look at schools that you want to apply. So do you want to go to a certain location? Are you looking at certain faculty, um, certain areas of research, or campus resources. I have to say looking at some certain faculty you're just in working with is the most important thing out of those factors I've said, but they all have a value on what decides where you will end up applying for graduate school. Typically, I would say look at 10 to 12 schools, so that way you kind of a good like a broad application so you're not like only applying to two schools and you may not get in so that way you have more opportunities and also allows you to explore different areas and see where you might might end up being so that is the first thing so look at schools that you want to apply and by doing that I would look at online and look at neuroscience programs focused on this, or look at certain faculty you're interested in. you're like, oh my gosh, they do research at, um, I don't know, the University of Washington. So you're like, oh, if they do research at University of Washington, let me see what other faculty there are in this certain program I'm interested in. So once you start doing that, you can, that's a really good way to start building a list. But I'd say maybe like 10 to 12 schools would be good um when you start looking at those graduate schools and schools you want to apply I would honestly make a list of the faculty from each program you're applying to and seeing um if they're currently publishing or still active in the lab um you want to make sure when you apply to these graduate programs while although you might have like um there's going to be a lot of interesting professors some of them may not be publishing at the moment or some of them are looking for graduate students it could be different things but try to make sure when you apply to a program you have at least like three to five faculty that you're really interested in working with so that way you have a lot of like flexibility on deciding what programs you want to be in and if you get accepted to a program and you are only interested in one faculty member that puts you at a disadvantage because what if they don't looking for a graduate student or what if you're not a good match with them if you realize in the future so it's really good to have multiple options and being quite flexible during this process so look at 10 to 12 schools and in these schools make sure you have three to five faculty who you're interested in working with and you know are currently publishing so that way you know they're active in lab next thing um i would look at is making a spreadsheet so, this will evaluate important factors and necessary documents you'll need in your application process. So, you might look at, oh, do, how many letters of recommendation are they requiring? Um, what student resources do they have to help students succeed? Are there diversity initiatives they're doing? Things like that. So, when I made a spreadsheet, I listed all the universities that I'm interested in applying to, which for me is around 13 schools. Well, 13 programs, the schools is kind of like 10. Um, But from there, I looked at a lot of different factors. So those factors included um, location. So where is the program located? What are the application materials? So is it an online application, unofficial transcript, do I have to submit a CV or resume? Um, what is the stipend of the program that they offer? Um, what is the cost of living? So, you may see, like, a smaller stipend, but if you're living, like, in the central area of the United States, the cost of living there is a lot lower. So, you want to make sure that your stipend you're getting is the best value for the cost of living that you're looking at. Um, when does the application open? That's something I have. When does the application close? Um... number of faculty you're interested student resources did you get an interview and the decision um i will attach a picture of mine how roughly how it looks i'm just going to redact some of the information a little bit (laughs) because that's my personal notes but um i'll definitely include a screenshot of that of that spreadsheet in my blog post so that's something i'm definitely planning on including in addition the another important thing of having a spreadsheet is you kind of get to see how much the application is going to cost you in total so yeah an application fee may be like fifty dollars for one school but if you end up applying to a lot of programs Um, those application fees can start adding up. So in that spreadsheet, I also do have an application fee section where I say how much the application is going to cost. And especially in California schools or some private schools, this application fee, tends to be really expensive. Um, I know looking at a lot of UC schools, the application fee is over $100. So that adds up really a lot. And you can spend probably like over $1,000 solely on application fees. Um, And that's not a very good thing to do. So definitely when looking into that, it can give you a good idea future ahead of time to think about fee waivers and how to apply for those. So definitely when you're starting to make that spreadsheet and you're realizing, oh, this is actually quite expensive for me, you can reach out to the program administrators early on and ask for those fee waivers. And if you ask for them early on, it's actually more of an advantage because sometimes Some programs have a limited number of fee waivers they can give out. So if you ask earlier, you're most likely going to get it um, rather than asking super close to the deadline. Also, another great thing of having a spreadsheet for all your applications is it's really important to have all your important links in one location or in one file. So definitely when in my spreadsheet, I include like the application website. So that includes like important information I should look at. So I include that link there. So I'm like, oh, I don't remember what uh, this, I'm applying to University of Pennsylvania. So UPenn might have a really specific um, requirement that others don't have. And I can look at that and make sure, am I following everything that they're saying? Is it okay? All of that information. So yeah, second thing, make a spreadsheet of all your stuff so you can get everything together and also it gives you a good idea like how many are you going to apply total and what's going on here. Next, reach out to your top faculty of interest. So I would recommend reaching out to one to three professors from around a third of your school list. Um, and this is like really tough faculty, so think of like your REACH schools or even maybe your MATH schools. Um, this, that way, so the professors who you're interested in working with, they already have a connection with you and you can reach out to them early on. Um, sometimes it's a really good advantage because you want to make sure that the professor you're really interested in working with, they're A, still going to be working, it's still going to be like having a research lab and two, are looking for graduate students in the application cycle that you're going to be enrolling and be part of. So if they're not looking for students in like fall of 2024, so I actually, this happened to me, I reached out to a PI um, that I was really interested in working with, and he was like, I'm very sorry, but since I'm close to retirement, I am not looking for any students in fall of 2024. And Um, While that was a little sad for me, um, I reached out to other professors, so I had some more um, wiggle room with that, but that's something really important and good information I need to know. So when I fill out my graduate applications, I can kind of like know what's going on and who's still working in the field and what the current focus of the lab is going to be. So when you do that, um, I prefer to do it through email. So give your background information. So what school you go to talk about your research experience and why you want to go to graduate school and request have a meeting. Um, usually when I sent these emails out, I attached my CV. So that way they could kind of get an idea of like what I do and what my motivations are. Um, it's really good if you, if so that you can learn, if they're looking for students. Um, and the thing is like, Professors are busy, so you might not hear a response or they may want to talk to you until you get an interview. So that way they have an actual idea if you're more likely to get into the program. Um, But it's good to have that initial email so they kind of recognize your name and they remember you a little bit and you establish that contact already. So you want to make sure that you've already contacted with them ahead of time and not kind of during the application um, but I would limit that mainly for your reach school. So, that top schools you're like, I would really love to get into this program, but I don't know if I would. Let me reach out to the faculty. That's something that I've done, and uh, yeah. Last thing for getting started make a document for all of your essays. So, this will be pretty similar for all schools because Most programs you apply to, they usually have a statement of purpose, which talks about your research involvement and why you want to go to grad school and what experience you have. Your personal history statement, which talks more about diversity and your personal experiences and your motivation and some other um, essays. But usually it's limited to those two essays or a combination of of both of them. But the thing is, it's pretty good to have a document for the essays, so that way you can start early, have some ideas flowing into your brain, and you can get a good first rough draft during the summer, which is really good ahead of time. So that way, when you have the first rough draft during the summer, you're not worried during the fall semester about generating that rough draft, and then you can focus on editing it so many freaking times until it's like golden. Um, in addition another reason why you want to have a document for all the essays is one it's in a central location so that way you don't I so that way it's like okay I'm going to use University of Pennsylvania for example let's say I'm applying to UPenn and I have only one document for my UPenn essays but I apply to Johns Hopkins as well and I have another document and let's say oh my gosh it's I don't know where the other one is or I'm looking at two different documents and sometimes that can be a lot. So, having it all in one document is a really good idea and overall these essays are going to be pretty similar overall, it's just how are you going to tailor it to each of your institution that you're going to be applying to. Um, so that's a good idea to have and also it's a way for you to see the little differences between their program requirements. So some program may ask you a certain question being like more focused on diversity of topics where someone talks about like talk about the work you've done and your and why it relates to helping out with volunteering in grad school or one of them was so specific that one of them asked for what does translational research mean to you so something like that um It's just little nuances that can be a little different overall in these little applications. So the main idea in these essay topics can be very much the same. But if you sometimes dismiss the small details or you don't answer all the questions, it could hinder your application. So always make sure you include a prompt for your essays and making sure they're well communicated. So, yeah, to summarize it. First, you want to look at schools you want to apply to. Next, you want to make a spreadsheet. Third, you want to reach out to top faculty members that you would really like to work for. Four, make a document for all your essays. That is how I would start at least the the graduate application process, specifically for the summer. And all of this can lead to a rough draft of your personal history statement and your statement of purpose. Again, it doesn't need to be perfect. Mine definitely will not be. Um, I'm still deciding how to even form those essays. I'm just putting the prompts in at the moment. I'm on step four, basically. Um, But it's a good way for me to be a little ahead of it. And I know how busy I get during the fall semester. And the thought of like writing an essay from scratch during the fall semester doesn't sound like a good idea for me. So honestly, if you relate to that, I would definitely do this. Um, The last note I want to say for this is This may be early and it may seem early, but take advantage of that. Um, You can ask a lot of questions and advice along the way to your research mentor, your different friends, someone who you know has applied to PhD programs, and you can make sure that they can read it and give you advice along the way. Um, It may seem like, oh, it's only six months, like I have time to do this. And you want to make sure that your application is the best it can be. And the more time you have to do that, the better. The worst case scenario, you end up procrastinating it and you're not delivering the best work you can. And you always want to make sure whenever you apply to these um, programs that you're giving them the best shot. You're giving it your best shot and you want to make sure that they have no doubt to accept you or not. Um, So that's kind of like my lovely synopsis of it. And yeah, so that is this episode. It's more of a getting started and what you can do so far. But yeah, I think this is a really great way for even me as well. Helpful for me to like see how do you start this, getting it down to a list and getting started. So I know I'll be busy starting to make my first rough draft during the next month or two actually. But yeah. Um, So thank you guys so much for listening to this and yeah, bye.